Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Have you seen Rami? It's a show on Hulu. It wrapped up its second season a few months back. It focuses on a guy named Rami, played by our guest, Rami Youssef. When the show kicks off, Rami is in his late 20s, living with his parents in New Jersey. At different times, Rami wonders what to do about his career, about his love life, his family life, all stuff that's pretty typical for someone his age. One of the things that makes Rami the show unique, though, is how it talks about faith. Rami, the character, is a practicing Muslim. His relationship with religion is more than just, you know, like a thing his parents do. He prays, he goes to a mosque, he doesn't drink. Amid the millennial existential angst and jokes about sex, the show also asks some probing, deep questions about faith. Recently, Rami was nominated for three Emmys, Best Directing in a Comedy, Best Supporting Actor for the great Mahershala Ali, and Best Actor for Rami Youssef. So we took that as a chance to talk with him. He's interviewed by Jordan Morris here. Jordan is my longtime friend and colleague. He co-hosts Jordan Jesse Go with me. Anyway, we'll kick things off with a clip. This is from the show's second season. In this scene, Rami is talking with the imam at his mosque. You're not leaving the mosque, are you? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm not leaving the mosque. Uh, I, I really didn't want to come at first, but I, I've been starting to feel like I maybe should talk to somebody. Yes. Your mom says you haven't been going to work. You are feeling sad since your grandfather passed. No, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm upset about that, but I, I think it's a bigger problem, like a, a, a problem that I've had for a while and... Maybe I didn't realize it, or or maybe it's gotten worse, but Mm -hmm. it feels like every time I get close to figuring something out about myself, I end up in a relationship, like a a sexual relationship. And it's not just sex, it's it's also porn. Like like a lot of- Okay, 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 enough. We don't need too many details. Rami Youssef, uh, welcome to Bullseye. Hey, thanks for having me. So I want to start by talking about the kind of comedy and pop culture you were into growing up. What was the stuff that you were into, and was there anything in particular that made you think, I want to do this? The I want to do this part was never really on the horizon for me immediately. I I was kind of an avid... uh, I was really into cameras. I was kind of like a, an avid camera junkie. Like I, I had bought one with the first little bit of like Eid money I'd saved up and birthday money. And that was kind of my thing. And then my uncle exposed me pre- pretty early, probably too early. I think I might've been like nine or 10. And he, he, he <laughs> there were two things that I remember one really scared me, which is he showed me Pink Floyd's The Wall, the movie. Oh yeah, that's, which I don't. Yeah, that's too young. <laughs> <laughs> like not, not, not supposed to happen. Yeah, you got to be in a know? college dorm room when that happens. You need some sort of psychedelic assistance to to get through that. Um, let alone being, yeah, I think I was nine, and then pretty much in that same pocket of time, uh, 
we started listening to a lot of Carlin and, and, and I, that, that was immediate love for me was listening to Carlin records um, because he obviously just had such a strong point of view, but he also in a weird way sounded like a lot of people in my family. Like my family was full of people who are very convicted in what they're saying and they kind of go on these rants and they're really funny and everyone's really funny. And so that was kind of, uh, I remember those being like two really early things that, that I knew I enjoyed, but the idea of doing it was not, um, it just didn't even seem possible. The show is really funny. It has a lot of kind of great joke writing in it, but it also uh, really is not afraid to go to some very serious and dark places. And, and something that I that I like about the show is that sometimes when it is at its darkest, the tension will be cut with a joke. I'm thinking of a specific moment from the second season where um, uh, a character goes to the hospital and kind of everybody you know, is, is, is kind of worried about the character and kind of wondering what's going to happen. And then one of your friends starts making fun of you for crying during Toy Story. I just want to prepare you guys, mainly Rami, for what you're about to see in there. The man is essentially brain dead. He's on life support, a complete vegetable. He's got lacerations all over his body and he's lost control of all of his motor functions. This isn't an easy image to take in. Look, Sheikh, I know you're spiritually strong. You got broad shoulders. Look at this guy. He's not ready. We went to the movies. We saw Toy Story 4. He cried. It's not even the sad one. It's, it's really I'm, sad. I'm sure there were emotional moments, Dr. Miller. Maybe go inside, please. You cried at the previews. Uh, I, I'm really wondering about crafting those moments. Like, how do you decide what moment needs some humor and when to kind of pull back and just be serious? Yeah, um, <laughs> the um, Toy Story moment is definitely a moment I love, and and it's it's cool that you pointed it out because it's actually that moment was born on set, and I think it actually I really remember how that moment came to be because we're we're standing in a hospital, someone's been hurt, and we run the scene twice, and our show finds these pockets where we're really sitting in grounded stuff. But obviously the overall arc and there's so many things that are clearly kind of funny about where we're at overall, but we'll find ourselves for a scene or two where, yeah, we're sitting in some grounded emotional stuff. But there was something about being in the hospital, we're walking around and it really hit my head where I was like, whoa, 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 this cannot feel like a procedural. This can't feel like ER, <laughs> you know, like like it, it's, it's, I get it. We're here. The situation while we're here is super funny. The reason that brought us into the hospital is super funny, but this hospital scene in and of itself, um, we can't forget that we're a comedy. And, and I think that there, uh, a lot of it comes from reflections on the dramedy genre as it is to me, because I think I've you know, like anyone else, we've all kind of been in a little bit of an era of it. We're watching it. And, and I think something that I've always wanted to protect with this show is to make sure that we're never forgetting to go for the joke and to be okay with going for even a joke that might feel like a bigger joke. Cause I, I don't mind that because as long as it's coming from the right place and as long as the situation is honest, um, I like that. And I, and I never want to forget that. And so that's, that is a good example of a moment where I don't want to. I don't want to be taking myself too seriously. I don't want to get kind of lost in the soup of the palette of what we're building because it's it, it is real to me. The emotion, the journey, 
we're really trying to, on this show, strip back performance and look at ego. And I'm not talking about like acting performance. I'm talking about the performances that humans do as we kind of figure out who to be and how to be. And so that can get heady. And I, uh, I'm just not smart enough to stay in the heady space. So I need to make sure that we are finding the joke. Uh, typically when a, a stand-up comic gets a show and, you know, and their name is on it, um, you know, the character they're playing is also a stand-up or they're an actor or something kind of showbiz adjacent, but, but yours isn't. Um, did you ever consider making the character you play on Rami part of showbiz or was that something you wanted to stay away from? Well, the goal was to bring some humanity to a type of character that we've not seen before, you know, to bring a relatability as we look at this Arab Muslim man, this Arab Muslim family. And, and I think there's probably nothing less relatable than watching someone struggle at an open mic. It's an insane, <laughs> insane pursuit to go out and do comedy. And, and so <laughs> to try and endear people uh, to a family that they haven't met before, and then you got the dude running around doing standup, it's like, uh, it's, it's, it's that's fanatic behavior, you know. So I, I did not want to um, reinforce any sort of stereotypes with that. But I'm just, well, do we really need more? Like it, it at a certain point, it starts to feel uh, boring to me. And and I always want to make sure anything that I'm doing is um, is actually making a, a contribution, you know. So so I, I I kind of felt like those boxes are more than checked. And also, you know, I released my stand up special after my show came out, which is kind of a that speaks to streaming. And it speaks to kind of how the business has shifted. You used to kind of need to make a, a national debut in like a bigger way with a stand-up hour before having a series. So it felt a little weird because it's like no one even really knows me as a comic anyway, which I I like that. You know, that that was I was very purposeful about like not putting out any any stand-up on I never really I didn't play the online game or anything like that. Um, but th- there was a lot of reasons where um I felt like it would it would hurt the character to go down that path. We've got more Rami Youssef still on tap. One question he struggled with early on in making the show. Would he be comfortable praying in front of a camera? More on that after the break. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Black voters play a crucial role for any Democrat who seeks to win the White House. But some big divides amongst that bloc and some serious ambivalence could determine who is elected president this November. Listen now on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. Hi, everybody. My name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. We're both doctors and... Nope, just me. Okay, well, Sydney's a doctor and I'm a medical enthusiast and we create Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. Every week I dig through the annals of medical history to bring you the wildest, grossest, sometimes dumbest tales of ways we've tried to treat people throughout history. And lately we do a lot of modern fake medicine because everything's a disaster, but it's slightly less of a disaster every Friday right here on MaximumFun.org as we bring you Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. And remember, don't drill a hole in your head. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. Our guest is Rami Youssef. He's the creator and star of the TV show Rami, which you can watch on Hulu. Rami is also nominated for Outstanding Actor in a Comedy Series at this year's Emmys. He's being interviewed by my good friend and co-host, Jordan Morris. Let's get back to their conversation. I definitely want to take some time to talk about 
what I think is one of the funnier performances on the show. It's uh, from a comic named Steve Way. Tell me more about him and how he got involved in the show. Yeah, so Steve and I, I first met Steve in third grade. He um, he came to our school. He, he has muscular dystrophy and his condition was getting worse. It's degenerative. And he had to come to our school for a few months while they built a ramp at the school that was closer to his house. And so that's when I met him in that, in that gap of time. And we became friends and he was the, it was so cool. It was like, Oh man, there's a kid in a wheelchair. He kind of had that energy. I I don't know what other towns are like. Our, our school, it was kind of cool. If you had a wheelchair, if you had a cast, if you had glasses, braces, it was kind of that age where it's for, for whatever reason, it's like kind of, do- kind of dope, you know, <laughs> no one's like turned on each other yet. <laughs> you know, you get later towards high school and then everyone, then, then the ragging starts. But at, at that time I was like, oh, sick, you know, he's, he's rolling through. And I remember being really kind of fascinated by him talking to him. And then, um, and then when the kind of middle schools merged, we started going to the same school. And we lived close to each other. And so, yeah, we just became really good friends. And, and we go to school together um, a bunch of days. And, and there's, it's, there's this shot in the show of uh, me riding on the back of his electric wheelchair, you know, uh, stepping up on it and kind of <laughs> going down the middle of the street. And like, that's, if you talk to anyone from our town who was around for, for those, you know, 10 years, that, that was just how we went around town. You know, that, that was, that, that's just, that's the mode of, of, you know, get on the back of Steve's chair. And then once Bluetooth speakers started, you know, getting, we popped that in there too. And, and just, and just have a party. <laughs> well, um, well, what uh, what kind of music are you guys rolling to? I mean, you know, we're doing some Jersey. You know, we're we're, we're getting some Bruce going. Um, <laughs> but Steve is really into rap, and so Steve is like Biggie, Tupac, California rap scene. That's that's all Steve, and so we're 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 catering to that. Um, so so we really in high school. Then we kind of start working together a lot because we had an amazing television program in my high school. It changed my life because we we learned how to do stuff that I now know because I learned how to do it then. You know, I, I learned how to edit on Final Cut Pro when I was like 14 in a way that I'm in the edit now and I'm like, hey, can I just, can you give me the mouse? You know, like, like it's like that level of that's how much we got to suck this in and, and take it in. We're like running the morning announcements at our school. We're doing all this stuff. It's me and Steve and our, our our now writing partner too, Jonathan Braylock, our our buddy Kyle Kolich. We're we're doing we're doing all this stuff and it's a blast. And then yeah, and then and then I kind of find myself at this point with my show, um know, seven, eight years later. And it's funny because we're making this show and so much of the premise that we went down was I don't want this to be framed off of whiteness. You know, I want everyone in the show to be an insider and an outsider within the same culture. Because so much of the original pushback when I started talking about this show was kind of like, well, can he be a neighbor to a, a, a white family? Or can maybe there's two best friends, one's one's white, one's Arab, you know, it was like that kind of stuff. And and we kind of felt like, no, like we I, I, we want the tension to kind of be within the community. That's what's interesting. 
um, we want to be enveloped in this whole thing. But then there was this really funny convo where we're like, yeah, but you know, there's always like the ethnic best friend and then we're like, well, there's got to be a white best friend. You know, the white best friend being the kind of minority. Um, and then, you know, I framed it like that. And I was like, and the real cool, you know, best minority friend is going to be Steve. You know, that's the move. That's our white guy, you know. Um, and it's it's amazing. It's 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 it, it kind of was this thing where I pitched it to the network. They thought the premise was cool, but they were also like, who's going to play Steve? You know, <laughs> and <laughs> I, I know uh, just the guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 it's the actual Steve, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they don't know him. And of course they don't know him because when you look at the places we started doing comedy, you can't get in there if you're able-bodied, you know, you, it's, it's these little crevices in New York, these tiny little places. And I don't blame that. Look, it's New York architecture, you know, I mean, you, there are so many things that we're constantly doing to make the world more accessible. Um, the New York is, it's architecturally, it's, it's, it's a challenge. There's not even alleyways for the trash. You know, I, I always think about that. I'm like, I remember I went to Chicago and I was like, oh my God, there's no trash on one third of the sidewalk. <laughs> like, well, yeah, there are alleyways, you know? Um, so this is what we're up against. So no one knows him because he's not at the comedy clubs. Steve is mainly doing standup at some random spots in Jersey. And then at our annual charity show, the one that we really kind of got started, it became an excuse for him to run a long stand-up set. So I'm at this spot of getting to put together the show and yeah, it was so exciting to bring him in. And, and, and we did one read on camera and everyone's just like, what? Whoa. You know, I think everyone knew right away. Um, they're just this dude's magic. And, and it was interesting actually, because we had him scripted for, starting episode two or three yeah we had him scripted starting episode two actually and the network was like oh we got to get him in the pilot and we're like yeah we're gonna put him in the pilot you know we were doing reshoots on the pilot like, yes we're gonna get him in it, it was that quick it was just this um immediate kind of gravitation and um and and yeah it's steve's always just been we've just always really gotten each other and 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 it's just we've always just had so much fun together and it's kind of surreal to be able to do it at this level. And I think that's a good segue to talk about the fact that you, um, you've you directed um, quite a few episodes uh, of your show. And I want to ask what it's like directing, and more specifically, what it's like directing Academy Award winner Mahershala Ali. I mean, I think what's been really cool, and I started feeling this as I was getting my legs under me during season one, I'm so... The directing to me is an extension of the writing and I'm very protective over the writing and I'm very particular about things that mean something to me. Like I I remember getting really hung up on, there would be references to how we're talking about God and, and there's just small things where I know, oh, actually this person would gender God and say he, this character would not gender God and just say God. And it's and, and I would get obsessed over something small like that as we're putting together outlines as a writer's room. And I got to a certain point where I was like, I need to write every single outline because I'm just going to have a panic attack. If, if <laughs> like, like I'm going to go nuts if, if this stuff, um, and because it was my first time too, I kind of felt like it had to be perfect from the outline. And then you kind of do it more and everyone's like, ah, oh, you figure it out on set. And I was like, well, I don't, that's not me. Like I'm not, I, I want to, I want to know what's going on, you know, before we get there. And 
I got really particular about these details in a way that I didn't know I would be. Because in my life, I can be kind of a slob, you know, I can just kind of, you know, whatever. It's like, it's like, I'm not going to clean my place unless someone's coming over, you know, I'm, I, I, I it, like, it's, 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 then you get into making something creative. And all of a sudden, I'm like, Oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm kind of obsessive, actually, on, on about how these things go. And so it translated on set. And so I was on set. And I realized, Oh, wow, I'm really clear about what I need things to look like um, in a way that I didn't know I would be, you know, and, 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 and then all this stuff that we had made, we'd worked on all these things, what was kind of encroaching on maybe 10 years ago where I was really kind of doing the filmmaking stuff more seriously. And I realized, oh man, I know how to do this. I know what shot we need. I know all that. And so I started feeling really confident about it. And, and I got the opportunity to direct one of them in the first season, which was one that I wasn't in. And then we enter the second season and I actually wrote, I mean, it, it's twofold, but I love the ensemble on this show so much. I love their storylines as much as I love my storyline, if not more sometimes, because I just, I'm just obsessed with these actors. And so I'm going into the writing and I'm like, oh man, I want to write a bunch of standalones that I'm not even in. Cause those, those are the ones I want to direct. I don't want to direct myself as much. I want to direct the ones I'm not in. So I kind of go into it with that. And then we get Mahershala in our lap. And then we realize we have Mahershala for three weeks and he's going to be in six episodes. So this is like kind of a daunting um, <laughs> cross-boarding situation because we need to really knock out a lot of scenes. And then it became clear, oh, actually, I'm going to direct the ones that he's in and most of the ones he's in, I'm in because I don't want to put <laughs> you know, a director <laughs> in this situation where I'm like, hey, so this week show up Tuesday at 6 a.m. and then Thursday at 10 p.m. And you know, I, if someone, it's not fair to make someone else go crazy, I'll, I'll do it. So I got this opportunity in my hands to work with him and to direct him and it, it couldn't have been more amazing. I mean, he, the questions that he asked, um, were all the right ones. And it was also really cool to answer those, but then also to kind of feel like there were moments where he'd be uncertain about something. And I kind of had to kind of guess, okay, is he uncertain because it's poorly written, which sometimes would be the case, or is he uncertain because you know, he's doing something that's a little bit different. And he admittedly was like, I've never been on a show like this. I've never been on a show where um, we're shooting in this way where, because sometimes we'd, we'd, we'd read out a scene and I'd be like, all right, you know, forget all that. Let's try this. And he was kind of like, really? And I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't care about the script. I mean, this isn't like, that's not like, I'm obsessive about the script. But then also when we're on set, if it's not working, I'm not going to, you know, like we need to, we need to make this work. That's, that's all, that's our, that's our main, main duty. And so we're kind of working in this way that I think was, um, he'd also just come off true detective then over there, his script is biblical. And then we're in this situation where I'm like, dude, this writer sucks. And, and that's me, you know, and I'm saying that out <laughs> loud. Um, like I'm like, you know, trashing, uh, uh, myself. And so, um, it's just, it was so fun. It was, it was actually, just this really cool experience of watching him, especially by even by the third day, he's just, he's transformative, right? So first two days, he's like, oh, huh, hmm, huh. And then by day three, he's giving me an idea that's in the voice of what the show is. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, this guy's unreal. <laughs> like he just learned our language and taught me a word. 
I'd love to hear more about the character he plays on the show if people haven't seen it yet. And I was curious if there was any real life inspiration for him. Yeah, the real life inspiration for him, you know, he plays a sheikh that Rami meets and the inspiration is the teachers that I have met in my life who are amazing, are people who are actually kind of these hidden gems that embody what I think true spirituality is and true religion is. You know, I think that the issue with religion is that it's become an industry and it's become a culture and both of those things are really damaging and they're and they're not like and this is all of them they're they're a particular type of violence i'm not talking about violence in terms of violent acts i'm saying they're 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 used violently against people in emotional ways there is this judgment that is leverage that turns into this crazy ego power that basically all religions have established some version of in some form of, and it, and it kind of becomes this supremacy. And so because of that, you watch anything with a religious figure and he, they're always crooked. And I get it because so many of them can be. And, and it's such a vulnerable space because you're basically a religious figure is someone who's guiding people in dealing with the unseen. And I, I think that's super real. And I also think that's that's a very sensitive private place. And so, so many people have been hurt following a leader like that. And so, kind of all the media and the art, for the most part, it's like, he's a priest, but he's doing cocaine. <laughs> or he's a, you know, like, you know it, you know the thing. And, and oh, but he's he's touching kids. He's this, he's that. These are all real things. These are all pervasive in various cultures. So there's no denying any of those things. But I have met teachers who you sit in the room with them and you're like, oh, this is this is the thing that everyone's trying to get. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's it's this is, whoa, I've only I've only ever had fast food and and this is a meal. You know, this is this is the real it's almost like so many other experiences I'd had. I was, you know, someone told me it was water, but it was actually soda. And and then it's like, oh, whoa, no, this is water. This is like and it's such a difference. It's like your whole body feels it. And so I know these people are real. And then it's can we craft that on screen? Can we make that? Can we show someone who doesn't feel cheesy still feels like a real person because i'm not trying to create like a mystical character either right and especially it's like you have mahershal ali playing it i'm not trying to dig into the magical negro trope obviously like that's like you, you, this can't be a joke but how do we craft a character who feels sincere who feels like this thing that this character of Rami is really actually striving towards. And that was what I really told Mahershala when I pitched him on playing this character. I was like, this is what I'm trying to do. And and he he reached out about the show just to say, hey, this show is cool. Um, because he's a practicing Muslim, you know, and 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 he appreciated our approach to faith, you know, that it wasn't an erasure and that it was 
um, you know, about this synthesis. And so when I told him, do you want to do this character? This is what I want. This is the goal. I haven't seen this goal accomplished in the way that I think we could do it. And he was like, whoa, um, I don't know. I got to pray on this. And when he said that, I was like, oh, this character is going to be good. <laughs> like the fact that he didn't say yes right away, the fact that he didn't like just jump at it, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awesome. Your character in the show is is on a very specific faith journey. Um, and it got me wondering about you. Um, where are you at with your faith, you know, having having done two seasons of this show where you're exploring these issues? Yeah, it's it's a really it was a really um difficult thing on a level continues to be a difficult thing making this show where I am touching on so many things that are real to me in real life and the like I had this big kind of battle of filming myself pray because prayer has always been such a personal thing for me and it kind of just feels weird to to shoot it and then you know you get paid you know you're not getting paid like it's like you know I'm, I'm, I'm it's, it's not like you're making like this crazy amount of money or something like that but it's like oh wow i've like I've, I've monetized this thing that's really dear to me and really important to me. And so I had this big debate, like, should I, is this really what I should be doing? Because um, this isn't a joke. And I netted out, obviously, at doing it. And a big part of that was, again, the imagery of this ritual, the imagery of my language and my faith and my culture has been just put through the the disposal the ringer that like we we it just looks so bad it's so so it's so ugly out there that you know yeah i i i'm going to do it like i i i am going to do this thing that um has really just been mine and for me and i'm going to put it out there and i'm going to show someone do it and then go get fired from their job when their startup goes under i'm going to show someone pray to process a bad date and I'm going to show somebody doing that because I want those images out there you know and it and it and it means it means more than you know me feeling a little uncomfortable about that and so what comes with that kind of trade-off though in real life and with my spiritual practices I'm kind of I'm trying to figure out, okay, like I, I still need this to feel private and I still need this to feel um, like it's mine, um, you know, this this kind of private connection and this personal thing. And so it, it, in a way, <laughs> especially because of like we talked about those left turns that the Rami character really takes, um, so much of my life now is like, well, I really want to be way more grounded and connected to my faith than this character is, you know, and, and it, it is, it is, it is a motivator for me to continue to dig deeper and a reminder for me to, to continue to dig deeper. And, and I think too, so many of the conversations that I've been able to have with the various people who watch this show and are Muslim, they've made me even 
more connected to my faith because the diversity of conversation and opinion and debate and love and critique and all of these things. Yeah. It's like, I almost feel more solid about what I believe than I ever could have. Uh, Well, Rami, uh, thanks so much for hanging out with us on bullseye. Thanks. Thanks. This is really, really great questions. Uh, yeah, really, really awesome. Really good to talk to you. Rami Youssef. You can watch seasons one and two of Rami right now on Hulu. As we said before, Rami is up for an Emmy for his role on the show. The winners will be announced next month. Jordan Morris is a podcaster, my co-host on the comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go. He's also one of the writers on the upcoming series, Earth to Ned. It's a space alien Muppet talk show. It's appropriate for Jordan, who created the scripted comedy podcast, Bubble. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is produced out of the homes of me and the staff of Maximum Fun in and around greater Los Angeles, California, where today it was 90 degrees and a little rainy, uh, which I guess means that we live in Florida now. I don't know. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio and Jordan Cowling are our associate producers. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. You can keep up with the show on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR.